Welcome back to the Voice of Gen Suite, the EHS Management Podcast. In this episode, we'll be discussing the things organizations can do to be prepared to mitigate pandemic-related health and safety risks as facilities resume operations after months of reduced staffing. For this episode, we have Gen Suite's CEO and founder, R. McCund, and expert services manager, Tamara Azar, with Gen Suite's strategic regulatory partner, Inhisa. So before we get started, can each of you please tell us about your roles or background within your organization? And uh, Tamar, we'll start with you. Absolutely, thanks Drew. As you mentioned, my name is Tamar Azar and I am an expert services manager within HISA. I work with the expert support services team. The expert support services team is the consulting arm at HISA. We help our clients with rolling out and adopting our services as well as helping them with any additional EHS support that they may need to ensure that they reach their EHS goals and objectives. NHISA is a market leader in global environmental health and safety compliance assurance, providing support to businesses worldwide. Great, thanks, Emma Thanks, Drew. Hi folks, it's Armukun, GenSuite CEO founder. Been leading the GenSuite team since we launched uh, GenSuite as, a, as really an exit from GE back in 2010. And my background is in environmental health and safety. And one of the things that, you know, certainly over the last three months that I have come to realize is the way the role EHS plays in, in enterprises and, you know, workforce health and safety and, and all those matters related to it. So. It's been our privilege to be part of that conversation and part of that work group and collaboration partnership as we try and solve some of the issues arising from the COVID-19 pandemic. Great, thank you both. So we'll get right in. So at this point, the entire world has felt the impacts from the COVID-19 pandemic. Can both of you talk about how the pandemic has changed business operation functions specifically for EHS professionals? Sure, I can kick that off. and. And then hand it over to you, Tamar. You know, I think for us, we obviously we are a, a provider of a digital environmental health and safety sustainability compliance management platform subscribed by nearly 300 companies globally. One of the ways in which we saw how things changed were really starting in, in about early March or mid-March when certainly in the U.S. pandemic really had its outbreak. And we saw how, you know, there was kind of that ripple effect as, as people started to have either shuttered operations or, or essentially temporary closings. Work from home became, work remotely became a key approach to managing the spread of the outbreak. So it was really all of those things, shutdowns, reduced staff, you know, being able to affect compliance or safety while being, you know, not present in the plant, in the facility or otherwise. And then, you know, over time, of course, you know, that has changed in the last few months. I know we'll be talking about that separately. But I think what we saw were the beginnings going back about three months of that ripple effect, certainly in the U.S. and, and in Europe and in Asia, outside of China, that were the first to kick all that off back in, in the Jan-Feb timeframe. Great. And, you know, we've seen a lot of different regulatory changes, you know, amongst this pandemic. Tamer, can you give us a little bit of insight from a regulatory perspective? Absolutely. We've all seen and experienced how the, uh, the, this pandemic has, has raised a lot of challenges 
to all of the businesses as well as uh, specifically EHS professionals. We've seen a worldwide shutdown, we've seen travel bans, seen people uh, needing to work remotely. And uh, some of the other challenges that were or that we've seen is how different jurisdictions went about deciding which types of operations that they uh, deemed essential and needed work to continue at these facilities where other ones work remotely was their only option, which caused a lot of reduced staff mentioned. And some of the other challenges in this case is that these EHS professionals now face a different spectrum of risk profiles for their facilities that are have used to operate within just simply because they are either deemed essential and then they have to operate in, in such conditions with reduced staff as well as these businesses that deem not, not essential and then they had to uh, postpone some of their regular act, EHS activities because they're doing work remotely. Great. Yeah. And so as employees, you know, start to transition back to work and facilities begin to kind of raise those, those staffing capacities, what are the most important preventative measures to have in place? Sure. I can begin to answer this question. We've seen that the global trend in that regard is to open businesses in phases. Now, jurisdictions took different approaches in planning the phased reopening. Some jurisdictions started to open businesses based on the type of their activities. Other jurisdictions started to reopen businesses based on the size of the facility or number of staff or a combination of those different approaches. We've also seen some similarities in the preventative requirements mandated by the different jurisdictions when reopening businesses, such as, for example, mandating new risk assessments for businesses reopening or working during the pandemic. These new risk assessments are mandated to account for the new risks arising from exposure to COVID. Other common preventative measures mandated by governments include maintaining social distancing at the workplace, providing personal protective equipment, and maintaining rigorous cleaning. Uh, another interesting trend we noticed is that regulators in some jurisdictions placed specific requirements for businesses that were working remotely or not working at all, and now are returning to operate in their facilities. And those specific requirements are to ensure that the once abandoned work sites are fit to accommodate work again. Some of these requirements include, for example, inspecting the electrical wiring at the workplace, inspecting machine guarding, and flushing the water pipes and checking the quality of drinking water. For example, those are specific requirements, again, for first day going back to work. And there are other requirements, the general for uh, working in uh, conditions where the pandemic is still spreading. So we have, uh, you know, your usual new risk assessment for these facilities that are reopening, then uh, supplying PPE, doing regular cleanup, providing sanitary provisions and such. Yeah, and I think I think as I this this from you know one of the things we've been doing 
from a GenSuite perspective is starting in early April, we launched a, an executive collaboration forum uh, that we have been facilitating, moderating, and, and, and really just helping to coordinate. I've seen some phenomenal participation on that. I know folks from NHESA have been on, on those calls as well. I think anywhere from 150 to 200 plus, you know, functional leaders, directors, uh, VPs have been on those calls, sharing their insights, sharing their observations, their, their experiences. And a lot of what you, you know, what was just described, if you will, was, you know, is being discussed there. And it's, it's, it's it, that the topics of conversation have indeed been, you know, having effective pre-screening measures. The idea is, you know, how do you, how do you even just keep the risk out of the work, workplace by enabling and engaging employees to self-evaluate and stay away from the workplace if certain you know, risk thresholds or risk criteria are being met. This is of course separate from the, the aspects of you know, that, that Tamar just walked through in terms of regulatory requirements, but in the absence of regulatory requirements, what can a company do to establish you know, uh, the best risk mitigation mechanism? So pre-screening, you know, doing things to to track, you know, uh, the, or respond to a, to the potential of a of a pandemic event or a case in the in the workforce, and then ex, ex, extrapolating from there or extending from there into critical PPE, reorganizing the workplace, the workflows in such a way that there is more effective social distancing, reduce capacity. Just in in some cases, some companies, for example, are just simply saying. You can avoid, you know, people who are in office operations can continue and should continue to be working remotely because there's not a lot to be gained and certainly some risks to be, to be, to be had by having people come back in in those roles. So I think it's a combination of all of those things. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation about, you know, disinfecting and, you know, sanita- sanitizing workspaces. Work and some of the effectiveness of lack or lack thereof of those measures. So, uh, so that's certainly an area where there was good discussion in the work group about the, the value proposition from those types of uh, measures. Yeah, and from what I've seen, um, you know, just to kind of round that out is the, the work group really was to bring everyone together and talk about what is most effective and what's working. That's been something that I've seen and has, you know, our, our customers have seemed, seemed to enjoy. So, so uh, next question here. What are some steps and measures that organizations can implement to address compliance with the quickly evolving requirements and guidelines? That's when I'll bounce to Tamar because I think that's, that goes directly to the fact that there are a lot of very specific, and you know, the example that you just shared, Tamar, is one, uh, but I think there are a bunch of others as well where there are specific items established. So I'll let you comment on that. Yep, yep, thanks. Uh, the first and most important measure that organizations must take in my opinion, is to keep track of the latest regulatory development revolving around the pandemic. Now that is easier said than done, especially because of the current circumstances businesses find themselves in. Uh, We just mentioned earlier how businesses are operating with reduced staff, for example. Regulators are also issuing regulations and guidances on a weekly, if not daily basis, So you can see how challenging that can be, especially for organizations that have multiple facilities or organizations operating in multiple jurisdictions. 
And for all of these reasons, a solution that we incorporated here at Tenhisa to help our clients is to publish a daily blog on the latest EHS developments revolving around COVID. That way, businesses don't have to keep track of regulations while also dealing with the pandemic. Additionally, we are working with our partners, including GenSuite, to distribute that information and support as many businesses as possible. Yeah, and I think one of the things we're saying, and I know we're going to talk a little bit further about that is, you know, you know, specifically in, in this, there are some tools that we have been working on with our subscribers to try and build, you know, obviously our compliance calendar or inspection tool has been very, very heavily used by, by a number of organizations, number of subscribers to build in those compliance checks and those requirements into the, into the procedures that, that, that operators and, and technicians are, are following so that, they are able to do those those checks as an integrated aspect of their their work for, work activities, and then similarly like that, you know, having have using a, a module to track critical PPE as an example. Great. Now uh, this kind of Makan, this kind of leads me into my next question. So you, you started a little bit, but maybe you could go into a little bit more depth of of you know some of the the ways that Gensuite adapted quickly. Um, to focus, you know, it, the the needs of of what our current customers were were kind of um, addressing to us. Great question. I think, you know, a couple of weeks ago we hosted our uh, 2020 virtual conference, and it was really amazing. If you had told me a month ago even that we'd have almost 260 people from 120 companies, in addition partners from attendees from a number of our partners all joined for almost three and a half hours of, of dialogue and discussion. I would have said, that's oh, crazy. But indeed, we, we, did, we did have exactly that on May 20th. One of the things we, we, we talked about there was how we have been working over the last you know, three months while it's been a trying time and certainly very challenging to see all, all that's been going on around us with, uh, with, with the impact that this pandemic has had. But human ingenuity, you know, comes through again. And one of the things that our, our customers asked us to do was to look and see how their investments in this EHS platform, this digital platform, could perhaps be leveraged to give them value in their, you know, in this time of need. And so, you know, our methodology has always been a configurable best practice platform. So we were, we really looked, stepped back and looked at, at where we can make a difference. One of the first things we did was work with a, a, a group of really active and engaged subscriber champions who helped us architect what has essentially become our COVID-19 pandemic response um, module. And that module really allows you, uh, built on our incident management backbone, it essentially provides the ability for you as, as, a, as an enterprise, either at a specific site a distributed operation or globally to be able to look at a potential case of, a, of, a, of an employee who may or may not uh, have COVID-19 and then track that through the system in a HIPAA and GDPR protected, privacy protected manner so that you can actually, you know, track the fact that they may be away, need to be away from the, uh, from, from the workplace for some amount of time on, on, a, on, a, on quarantine 
have certain return to work, and then the, you know who else they may have been in contact with if they were in the workplace prior to them having been you know determined to have potentially uh, been exposed or have uh, contracted uh, uh, an incidence of of COVID nineteen. So that's really where we got started. And at this point, you know, over 5,000 such pandemic response events have already been logged by over 60 different subscribing companies. Um, and it's probably the fastest growing activation that we're doing. We made this module available to all our subscribers as part of their incident management module subscription initially. So within about four weeks, we had probably 50 companies that were using or had activated the module, started deploying it. And that goes really speaks to you know, what an agile and adaptable digital platform and, uh, you know, a robust digital platform can do for you in your hour of need. So it's not ossified, it's not stuck, and that's been our entire philosophy. And one that, you know, thinking really about what is the, what is the need of the day? It's great that we did all these things in the past, but that doesn't matter if today your need is to track critical PPE, is to look at your, your, your geographic mapping of pandemic response events, which we enable through our mapper module with an overlay of Johns Hopkins uh, data on, on case counts. All of that was super important. And I think will continue to be important as we work through the, the rest of this outbreak in whatever amount of time we still have with it until, a, until a, a, an effective vaccine is, is identified and delivered all around the world. And then, you know, along with that, for example, what we've, what we've done working with our friends at NHESA, the STC, who have partnered with us to provide content. You know, Tamar mentioned, you know, the fact that there are all these regulations happening and they're being, you know, formulated on the fly, literally, as public health organizations are responding to the pandemic in their jurisdictions, in their geographies. We're now able to deliver that content through GenSuite to our stake to the to not only our EHS leaders, our safety leaders, but their stakeholders across the enterprise. So it's a number of these functions that we really started to adapt the platform. We're not done by any means. There are lots more solutions that are needed, but we've been we've been really proud to be part of that effort and really grateful to our subscribers for giving us the ideas and the and the running room to to help us do this. Thanks. Yeah, that was great stuff. So in closing, McCun, this is another uh, kind of question for you and kind of round this out. So, you know, you mentioned last week or a couple of weeks ago that GenSuite had its virtual conference, but, um, you know, it's been recently announced that GenSuite's in the process of adapting its, you know, 2020 product roadmap due to the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about what's, you know, some of the projects in the pipeline? Give us a little, you know, hint into that. Yeah, certainly. I think that, you know, going back uh, to the, about mid-April as one of the things we did was we said, we're really going to make a pivot. And we're going to make a pivot because it's clear to us that the next, you know, 18, 24 months are going to be a time where we're going to be constrained specifically by the COVID-19 pandemic. But even going beyond that, we think that, you know, this is a wake-up call for all of us in humanity. And uh, this construct of a pandemic really setting us back. I suspect many of us are going to say never again, not in this way, which means that we've got to build in, in the capabilities to, you know, to be more resilient, to be able to adapt this better. And certainly while the next two years, the critical priority is pandemic management. So we have been working on, on realigning that, you know, we had a phenomenal product roadmap we continued that on because we felt like there was a lot of momentum there, a lot of things that our subscribers wanted. 
So we, we, we previewed a lot of those things. Those are actually all going into, they've already gone live or in the process of going live. But we also started to chat about the, 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 the COVID-19 or the pandemic-centric uh, functionalities that we're now building. And one of them, the, most, the one that we're most excited about is our Uconnect product, which is a peer-to-peer video collaboration tool that is built into the module. Uh, so if you're in Gen Suite and you're doing an inspection out in the field, you can tap an icon and it will connect you with your expert who may be sitting in their home office in a basement or in an attic or, or somewhere else on their dining table, whatever. And they can, they can literally be on your shoulder helping you in the field as you are executing your activity that's critical to compliance or critical to safety. For example, it might be an inspection. It could be a root cause investigation, if you will, and it's an investigation follow-up. could be any of those things. And you now have a remote expert to, to help you on a peer-to-peer basis. We see the opportunities for something like that to be tremendous. And I think the outpouring thing was, was amazing two weeks ago. And that's just one example of, of the kinds of functionality that we're now imagining, which would allow us to help our subscribers take critical needs, whether it's PPE management, equipment management, the facility, all of those kinds of areas, for example, entry screening, you know, pre-screening, contractor management, all of these things thought through from a, how do we operate in a pandemic constrained world um, means that the functionality needs to be slightly different. Our focus and our priorities are changing because this isn't January, 2020 anymore. It's now, you know, post when we realized we had a pandemic on our hands. Um, so all kinds of great ideas in January 2020, some of them will be put on the shelf, maybe not put in for, forever, but certainly some other things have become more, more important. So that's really how we're adapting the roadmap. It's still, everything's still going to be about enabling, you know, excellent management systems and driving compliance and you know, driving standardization excellence in EHS across the entire uh, enterprise but now reflecting the fact that we're operating in a pandemic-constrained world. And, you know, I think we, we are, we're really fortunate and blessed to have a subscriber group and phenomenal collection of partners, uh, including NHESA, who's been our great partner over a number of years now with us, helping us think through how we can make things more effective and, and, uh, and value-added for our end customer, the folks in the plants, you know, in the operations, whether it's remote, distributed, in the, in the facility, executing those processes, those business workflows, how can we make them more effective at what they do and deliver a better result for them? Um, and that's what, that's what we've always been about. And we're excited to, to now, you know, include a pandemic kind of a, a component in that roadmap. Great. Well, I think my my takeaway from you know this whole conversation were three big things. Um, first of all, being adapt. Second of all, co- collaboration, and third of all, partnership. You know, we we were all kind of we saw this coming or didn't see this coming and realized that we needed to adapt. And it sounds like you know within the subscriber group and you know the partnership with with Inhisa and Gen Suite, uh, there's been you know a positive come out of, of this pandemic and, and how we can help get folks back to work safer. So in closing, I wanna thank um, Tamar and Hisa for joining us and giving us the regulatory insights and um, also to McCun from Gen Suite to 
kind of let us know what's going on on the Gen Suite front. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Drew.